0: All right, well, hey, good morning, Creek family. How are you doing this morning? All right, well, hey, give yourself a hand real quick. It's good to be here. You made it on New Year's Eve, and so, man, excited to be here this morning. Glad you showed up, and... uh, Hey, you're looking really good after a a Christmas. You know, we ate a lot of food, and uh, hopefully you got to enjoy a good Christmas with your family. I know we did. Uh, We got a little bit of sickness uh, after the Christmas, which was not fun. Anybody in the house got that? Anybody in here? Yep, I know. It stinks, right? As you can see, I have water bottles here this morning, so that way I can survive for the next 30 minutes. But uh, they're but thankful uh, for a wonderful Christmas and to be with you this morning. And so, hey, we're going to continue through our sermon series called The Song of Christmas. I know Christmas has passed, and some of you have probably already hung up your decorations already. So you're like, why would we continue another series in, the, in this Christmas, right? It's over. Well, it's not over yet until... Tomorrow, okay? And uh, maybe some of y'all would fight me on that. We may need bust out the calendar again and say, where does Christmas fall? Well, it doesn't end until tomorrow. So uh, we're going to go through today. We're going to do another Christmas uh, lesson from the scripture. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I- I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be here. Are y'all excited to be here? All right, all right, cool. Well, hey, so we've been walking through the Song of Christmas. Craig's been kind of unpacking for the last few weeks. This idea of a song that began in eternity past and it continues into eternity future. And so for the last several weeks, he's been talking about this idea of a prelude, right? The beginning of the song. And then he talked about the melody, right? This idea of the tune throughout the song. Uh, We talked about the crescendo, right? The rising of the song, getting to this pinnacle moment. And then the dissidence, right? This clashing within the song. And then we also looked at the chorus and we looked at the repeated lyric within the song. And so, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the encore. We're going to look at the encore of the song. And uh, so Mikhail and I got to uh, go see one of our favorite pop singers, Ben Rector, uh, this year. You'll see him up here on the screen. And uh, we really enjoy his concerts. It's, uh, to me, a family-friendly concert. It's one you can bring your kids to and not have to worry about plugging their ears, you know. And uh, it was a really good concert that we were able to go to. And I don't know about you, but when you go to a concert... You really enjoy it, don't you? You kind of get lost in the moment, and as they're performing, maybe, you know, a theater play or a a comedian, you just get lost in this moment, and you just don't want it to end. And so we're at this concert, we're enjoying this time, Ben's doing a good good job performing on the platform, and it, you know, it gets towards the end where you're just like, I don't want this to end, like, I just want to continue to live in this moment, because it's just so good, like, he's so talented, And, uh, and it just gets to that point where you're just like, man, if I could just have one more song. If I could just have one more part of this performance, if they could just continue, that would be great. And that's where this idea of encore came from. Right, in the early 18th century, encore really, it means, it's French for again. So when people at the end of the performance would say encore, they're really saying again, again, play it Again. And uh, I don't know if you can believe this, but before our era, before there was Spotify music and Apple music and YouTube, all right, hold on, let me get a little bit, let me go back a little bit further. Before there's eight tracks and CDs and records, right, I got to make sure I hit everybody this morning. But before those things were there, where you could relive the moment, they, would, they didn't have that. And so really all the person had was the live performance. And so once it ended, they went back to their homes or back to their villages and they would have to wait till the next performance. And so they would yell, "Encore! Encore!" right? Again and again because they wanted the performance to keep living beyond the end. Well, folks, the song of Christmas has an encore. It doesn't end with a baby in a manger. Thank God. It doesn't it doesn't just end with a savior who can sympathize with our weaknesses. No. But it continues with a Savior who's ruling and reigning, and he's coming back again for his church. And so I want to talk about the encore of Christmas. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 11 through 14. Because this encore that we're looking at, this encore moment, the continuation of God's grace being poured out on his people, gives us an unshakable hope. That no matter what happens in this new year, no matter as we move into tomorrow and this new year comes, that we have an unshakable hope. That despite the goals that weren't met, despite the people who are not going to be with us in this new year, we could still hang on to a hope. Many of you are here this morning, you're hurting. I just got to talking to several men earlier as we were meeting and praying, just the, the hurt that we're feeling as a family, as a church. And we 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 have a hope. And I hope to remind you of that hope this morning, this unshakable hope, this encore of a moment of God's grace being poured out in his people. Now, while you're turning there, as you're kind of getting there this morning, we're looking at Titus, which is probably a passage you're not really, or a letter that you're not really familiar with. So I want to kind of help you get some context, kind of set up the scene for you. Uh, Titus was written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a man named Titus. Uh, now, we see Titus mentioned a couple times throughout Scripture. One time we see him in 2 Corinthians, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We also see him in Galatians 2 where Paul calls him a trusted co-worker. Now, that's important because he's about to send Titus out, right? In this letter, you're going to see that he sends Titus out to this, this uh, place called Crete. And, and it's not a good place. And so for a trusted person, uh, you know, it's really good to send him to this place because, man, it, it's some hard work. It's some difficult work. And so he sent him to Crete. Now, Crete was an island full of these people called the, the Cretans, right? They, they, were, they were really no good. I mean, there were some really bad people. They lived a duplicitous lifestyle. Uh, they were filled with lies and, and envy and jealousy and anger. And so this, this place where Titus is going is, is not good. It's a place that you wouldn't want to go, right? When you're thinking about celebrating, you don't go to Crete, right? This is not the place to go. And so Paul sending him there to bring things back into alignment, to help some of these house churches begin to rediscover how do you live the Christian life. But he doesn't just send him out there. He sends him out there with this letter, some instruction to say, this is how you are to do it. In fact, if you were to take this small letter and break it down into three sections, you would see Paul say three things. He would say this. He would say, look, one, you need to elect godly leaders, strong godly leaders, Two, he would say that, that the Christian life, right, that, that, that you live, right, you sh- it should be in alignment with the sound teaching that you teach. And then number three is that then you should do good things within your community in order to share that gospel with others. And so that's kind of the, the, kind of the rhythm of this letter. But then buried right within this letter is this hidden treasure, this unshakable hope. And I hope this morning that I could show you what that is. Because it's not just the foundation for this letter, but it's a foundation for our Christian life. It's a foundation for how we live in this present moment. So, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, this is the word of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works now you may be think okay Cameron this is quite the passage for a New Year's Eve like what are you trying to teach us this morning well I'm trying to show you that hidden within this there is this unshakable hope that there is this thing in here that we're, we're going to see that Paul's bringing out and he's saying look when all else fails when all things go wrong this is the one thing that we can stand on and so prior to these few verses Paul just got done talking about what the Christian life should look like if you were to back up in chapter 2 he says this is what it should look like for young men and young women this is what it should look like for older men and older women. And at that point, they had bond servants. And so they said, this is how you are to treat your masters. And so he talks about all this. And he gets down to this knit and grip moment. And he says, look, the premise of why I'm telling you to do all these things is right here. That when you begin to, when you begin to hear the gospel, the gospel then should be, begin to change your life. It should begin to transform your life from the inside out. That what you preach begins to be shown through the way you live. But see here in Crete, that was not happening. Right here, what was happening is they were preaching one thing, but then their lives are showing something completely different. So he's saying, look, this, this, this is what I'm trying to show you is, is that our why dictates did, did takes our how and our what. That, that, that our why is really the anchor for our what and how. Now, let me just tell you, some of your business leaders out there think that Simon Sinek came up with the why first. He did not. Right, here's the Apostle Paul thousands of years before, and he says, everything starts with your why. If you don't know who that is, you can look it up later. Uh, but this right here, he's saying, this is your why. This is the anchor by which we are to live. And so I want to show you, there's really three things he highlights here. So go ahead and get your pen paper out, start writing these things down. The first one is, we have a Savior. We have a Savior. If you were to look back at the first verse that we just read, he says this, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. Right, this is good news, church, that, that, that Jesus has appeared to us, that he has already come. This is good news for us. We should hand clap for that. Why don't we all clap? That the Savior has come, right? A lot of times we hear that gospel truth and we go, oh, yeah, I already know that preacher. Sure. Yeah, I heard that way back in early Sunday school. Well, why does your life still not reflect that? Right, we know these truths. We go, yes, the Savior has come, but then our lives look different. And every year we come down to 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and I hear this over and over and over. It just wasn't really the year for me. It just, it, it just didn't work out for me. Well, I wonder why. why. Why is it not working out for us? Maybe because we've misplaced our hope. Maybe we've put it in the wrong place all, wrong, all along. And so we come down to the end of the year and we go, man, it wasn't really all that great. But then we see here we, we have a Savior, The grace has appeared, the unmerited favor of God has appeared. But to understand this, we've got to go back to the prelude, right? We've got to go back to the beginning and understand, okay, what, what, why is this important to us? Because when we go back to the beginning of the song of Christmas, we realize that this song, this hope, comes to people who are broken. It comes to a moment of people who are, who are in darkness. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, it says that, that our condition before we came to know Jesus... We were broken. We were separated from God. We were dead in our sin. That we were, we were living our own way. We were giving into to the, the satisfaction of our own desires. And it kept driving us further and further into darkness. And I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Jesus, it was a, it was a very great moment in my life. Because I can remember my life before Jesus. I was filled with secret sin. Man, my life on the outside, it looked great. People said, you go to church? I said, no. Well, it looks like you go to church. Man, I look great on the outside. But on the inside, I was broken. I was far from God. I was dealing with sin in my life. No one could see it. I wanted to be accepted. I tried to do anything I could to be accepted before people. And I kept doing more and more and more. And it kept driving me further and further away from God. And I don't know where you are this morning. What was your life before you came to know Jesus? I knew a guy one time, he said, sometimes you got to stay in touch with your dark side. You know what I'm saying? Every once in a while, you got to go back and go, ooh, yikes, man, that's where I came from? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Man, you you just think about it. You got to stay in touch sometimes and know, okay, man, look how far Jesus has brought me. Because the good news is, is in that moment when you felt like you were broken and untouchable, Jesus came down out of heaven and came after you and pursued you right where you were. Let me say that again, that in that moment of brokenness, in that moment where you felt untouchable, Jesus stepped out of heaven, came on down, and pursued after you. That is the good news of the gospel, that in those moments when you thought no one could come to your rescue, that you were gone, and that there was nothing else you could do, that Jesus came. We have a Savior, church. We have a Savior. Amen? That fires me up going into 2024, that we have a Savior, and His name is Jesus grace has appeared grace has come and so therefore our lives should look entirely different entirely different I gotta catch myself I'm a little fired up right now you know I heard this quote one time he said this he said we're we are challenged these days but not changed convicted but not converted we hear but do not thereby we reduce, we deceive ourselves We're challenged but not changed. That was the part of the quote that stuck out to me. How many times do you read God's word and it challenges you but you go, "Ah, I'll get around to that sometime. How many times do you do that? But Jesus didn't even think about it before he came and got you. He came in a a blink of an eye to come after you to pursue you. And yet we sit around and we go, "Ah, I'll get around to that, Jesus. You're coming soon, I'll, I'll get around to that. Man, my hope as we move into this new year that we would be just filled with fire, right? That we would be filled with, with energy to go, man, I want to serve Jesus all my life and have all of my commitment to Him. And church, we've done a great job this year being committed. But I'm challenging us to be even more committed, to, to continue to drive closer and closer to Him. Because that's ultimately where we're going. We're getting closer and closer to Jesus. The second part he says here, he says, we have a hope, right? If you're to look down at verse 13, he says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing, right? There's that word again. First he said appeared. Now he's saying appearing. So there's a second coming. The appearing of our for, uh, the appearing for our blessed hope, right? This, this appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's he's coming again. There's his second coming. Now notice he says here, he says God and Savior. Right, this is a very important part of this truth here. That that Jesus is coming back, not just as Savior, but what? As God and Savior. Now you may look at that and go, okay, well, Cameron, you're just reading into that. You're just picking that out. No, this is very important for our faith. This is a very important truth, a doctrinal truth of what we believe. That Jesus is God. That he is fully God, that he's not just coming back as some human savior to to rule and reign in his cape. No, he's coming back as God. That he is God, that he is fully man, and that he's returning in all his glory for his people. That we have a great hope in that. And so when he says God and Savior, that, that we, get to, we get to go, yes, Lord, you're not just coming to save us, but you're coming to rule and reign and have all dominion over all the earth. And that should give us a great and unshakable hope. When we look at that word, blessed hope, that means a happy hope. It's not just some drudgery hope like, oh, you know, one day Jesus is going to return, you know, and he's coming back one day. You ever meet one of those people?
1: Yeah, you know, he's just
0: coming around one day, he's coming back, you know, he's gonna come. It's not that kind of hope, it's a happy hope. In fact, if you look it up in the original language, it's a beneficial hope. Meaning the hope that we have is not one that we just walk around and go, well, he's coming back again. No, it's he's coming back again. He's coming back again, that that the Savior has come and he's coming back again. And and it's this beneficial hope because we go, you know what? Despite all the sickness, despite all the death, despite all the things that we deal with in this life, that that Jesus is coming back. This is simple gospel truth, but I hope it's firing you up. Like I see y'all out here laughing because my voice is cracking because I'm just excited out here. I mean, this stuff fires me up. This is we can walk around with our heads full of knowledge all day long, but if we don't get this gospel truth, we are far from where we should be. Because this is the fundamentals right here, baby. This is this is the bread and butter, as my coach would say, right? We run the ball at the middle every time. Why? Because it's the bread and butter. Despite the Cowboys last night, I know, right? They run up the middle every time. You're like, guys, stop. It don't work. But this is our bread and butter. Romans 8.18 says this. It says, the trials of this life will be over. And we will see that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This present moment, it's just temporary. And Jesus is returning and we're just going to enjoy his presence forever. You may be thinking, Cameron, that just seems kind of weird. What does that look like? Honestly, I don't know how to even explain that to you. There's a lot of great passages in Revelation but it feels like you kind of need like 16 commentaries to figure out what's all going on in there. All I know is that it's better to be in the presence of Jesus than to be here. That's all I know, okay? That's all I need to know. And and that's what gives us this blessed hope, this beneficial hope, and that we can be assured because he's promised this. John 14.3 says that he's gone to prepare a place. Acts 1.11 says that the same way that he ascended is the same way he's coming right back down for for his people. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says that in a twinkle of an eye, that we will rise with Jesus and we will be changed. That we will receive our new bodies and we will be with him forever. This is our great hope. I remember when we were at the concert. I don't know if you've experienced this, but we're at the concert, right? It comes down to the end. And, uh, you know, it's coming to an end and, and you just know it. You can feel it. The band's kind of starting to wind down a little bit. And, uh, you know, Ben Rector, he gets up there, he does something different. I've been to many concerts, and this is the first time he's done something like this, or at least someone that I've seen do this. He stood up in front of everybody, he says, hey, now, we're going to play the last song. What? You're just going to tell us? Okay, cool. Hey, we're going to play the last song. And uh, here's what's going to happen. We're going to play the last song, y'all are going to be upset because it's the last part of the song, and then y'all are going to go home. And so here's here's what's going to happen. We're going to play the last song. And you're going to chant, okay? Y'all are going to start cheering and chanting. We're, we're going to walk off over here to stage left. We're going to be back here behind the curtain. Let me say that again. So y'all are going to start chanting and cheering, and then we're going to walk over here to stage left, and we're going to be back here waiting. You're going to chant some more and cheer some more. You know, it's going to be kind of like an encore moment. And uh, the band's going to come back out, and we're going to play three more songs for you, then we'll go home. <laughs> okay, Ben. So Ben plays his last song, and we're all like, yeah, encore, come on, Ben, come on back out. And so they're going back this way, and they're back there just, you can kind of see their feet kind of fiddling around back there. And uh, we're cheering them on, come on, Ben, and he comes rolling back out, and the band, you know, everybody's going, yeah, let's go, baby, This bit, it's going, let's go. And uh, they play their three songs, and we're just celebrating, and it's exciting, and I just thought, Wow. This is exactly what's going to be like with Jesus. He's already told us the game plan. Jesus is right over here on stage left, and he's coming back, baby. And all we got to do is just go, come, Lord Jesus, come, and he's going to come back. Isn't that so beautiful? That he doesn't just leave us in some mystery, but he says, look, you may not know the exact day. That's for me and the Father to know. But here's one thing you do. Be prepared. Keep calling, keep calling, keep calling for the encore because I'm coming soon for you. I'm coming for you. I just think how wonderful is that? That he's just waiting for the perfect moment to step into your life, to step back into this life and go, I've got my people he's looking right at you right now. He knows exactly where you're sitting in this auditorium this morning. He knows exactly what your heart is. And I'm telling you this morning, we don't know the day or time it's going to happen. And please do not wait. I'm not trying to scare you into salvation this morning, but here's what I do know. Is that life is too short and it's too crazy to sit around and go, one day I will get to knowing Jesus. But let that start today. I'm giving you an opportunity here in the next few minutes to start that Today. I've seen too many people pass away. I've seen too many people be gone from this earth in a snap. I don't even know where they're going. And then I hope you would catch the seriousness of this, that we have a Savior. We, we, we have a hope. You know, as I was thinking this idea, we have a hope, I was reminded of a song by this band called King and Country. And uh, it's called Hold On, Pain Ends. And it's an acronym for hope. Hold on, pain ends. And I want to read to you just this chorus real quick. I just wanted to just minister to you. This is this is just a lyric of a song, right? This is not God's word. I just want you to listen to this lyric. And it says this breathe in and breathe out. I know it hurts now. Pray through the waiting. Hold on, pain ends. Hope when it's all gone. Hope when it's so wrong. Nothing is wasted. Hold on, pain ends. And church, I'm telling you, hold on, pain ends. Because not because there's a new year. Listen to me closely. Not because there's some new year. Not because there's a new season coming. Not because, oh, well, I got great things planned in 2024. No, because the person of Jesus is returning. That's why we hold on, pain ends. Because Jesus is coming back to redeem his people, to come back and and to bring them into glory. That is the hope that we have, the unshakable hope. That we hold on. Because pain will end. We will be in the presence of Jesus. And we will worship him. Singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And there may be some other lyrics. If you don't like that lyric, there may be some other lyrics. Some of you guys may be like, well, I want to sing something different. There may be another song up there. Who knows? Right? I hope so. I think God's very creative. I think he's got lots of lyrics for us up there in heaven. But we're going to be with him. Be present with him. Hold on, pain ends. Here's the last part. He says we have a purpose, right? We have a savior, we have a hope, but he says we have a purpose. And so if you look at verse 12, right, he, or verse 11, kind of getting to verse 12, he says, the grace has appeared, right, for bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age, right? So it's this moment in this waiting period, right, uh, before the second coming, right, that, that there's this process that we're going through that theologians call sanctification, which is the process of being changed from the inside out, right? That when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that the power of the Holy Spirit's at work within our lives to change us and prepare us for his coming. And so he, he says, he's instructing us that there's this process of we're putting off the old life, right, Paul would say, putting off the old life, we're putting on the new, that we're, we're putting away the godlessness and we're putting on the life of godliness, that we're trading out our old patterns, our old behaviors for new ones, right? So that we would be, be ready for his coming, that, that essentially the gospel that saves is the gospel that changes us, right? the gospel that we heard that saved us, that, that redeemed us is the same gospel that's changing us at this very moment until his second coming. You know, there's a, there's a picture I want to show you up here. It's a Golden Gate Bridge. There's a scholar that, that mentioned kind of this idea to kind of help give you a picture. Now, it's a beautiful picture, right? Don't you love it? Don't you wish you could be there right now? I know. Well, I'm so sorry. That's about as close as I can get you. And, uh, but he said, you know, this idea that the Golden Gate Bridge, right, has got two pillars for its main structure. And he said, really, the first pillar could be the first coming of Jesus and the second pillar being the second coming, that he's coming again soon. And then there's this bridge that goes across, right? And God's got this plan to get us to that moment of a second coming, and it's through the tension cables. You'll notice at the top of the bridge, you have these tension cables that are constantly under tension at all times. When the wind's blowing, when the cars are traveling across it, the cables are constantly under tension. And it's those cables that God uses to prepare his people, right? They're the tension cable of removing uh, certain patterns and behaviors of our lives and adapt, and adopting new ones, right? Then that constant tension as we're going about this life, as we're coming closer and closer to his coming, that God is changing our hearts. We're removing certain things. We're adding certain, th- certain characteristics back in of Jesus in order to be ready for his coming, and it's on that moment, in those moments as we're going across this bridge, he says, here's what our purpose is, right? As I'm changing, as I'm, as I'm making you new, he says, ultimately, here's, here's what I, I have asked you to do. And it's down here in verse 14. He says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. Underline that, own possession. Eager to do good works, underline that part. Right, so he breaks it down. He gets real simple. He says, ultimately, here's what what your purpose is. One, it's to belong to me, that I've created you to be my own possession, right, that you would be with me. And so as you're thinking about moving into 2024, I would ask you, does your life plan, does your goal have anything to do with getting to know God in a more intimate way? To just, just to say, okay, what is one step I could take to know and to belong to God? Right, that may be saying, hey, let me get plugged into a community group. Let me get plugged into a discipleship group so I can begin to know who God is and belong to him and be a son and a daughter to him. And in that second piece there, he says that we are to do good works. Now you're going, whoa, hold up, what's going on? Now, let, me, let me show you something. Notice that he says for his own possession eager to do good works there's an importance to that to that uh to to the way that's lined up there right to the order that we belong to him first and then we're eager to do good works that out of our relationship with him that we then are compelled to do good in this world why why? why? Why do we do good? What's the purpose of this? Is this to make us feel good and make God feel good? No. When we do good works in this world, if we're truly living out the gospel in our lives, people will see. People will experience Jesus in our life and go, what's different about you? I want what you have. But the thing is, is that in the church, we've kind of believed this thing where we just go out and we just tell people what we believe. Well, this is what we believe, you know, and we don't do, we just, we just tell them with our mouths and that's it. No, people have got to see it. I'm not saying you can, there's no way God can't just take your words. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that our mouths and our actions should line up. And when we do that, God is supernaturally working in that moment to help people see what the gospel is, to see who he is. And so when you move into this new year, what, what does that look like for you? You know, we're about to move into this new sermon series called Vibrant. It's all about how do you use your gifts and your talents, right, to serve with, even within the church or in the community. But, but here's the deal is that I hope out of that next message series that we learn how to be a gospel people in our community. That instead of saying, come and see, come check us out, and come fill up the auditorium, that we would go out and we would show people the gospel. That we would show people and represent Jesus well to the world. Church, we have a Savior. We have an unshakable hope. And we have a purpose. And I hope this morning as you're you're hearing those three things, you're going, oh, I resonate with one of those. Maybe you resonate with all of them. Maybe you're going, man, I needed to hear that this morning. And maybe you're here this morning you're going, you know what, Cameron? I've known for a while that there is a Savior. But today I, I begin to realize that maybe I just don't know him. Because here's the deal: is that Jesus calls you into a relationship with him. Despite what you think, I know many of us think that we, we've, we to, we've got to work our salvation off. That, that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is, is that yet while we were still sinners, while we were out doing our own thing, Jesus came and died for us. We didn't do anything. That's how gracious God is to us. That He gave, John 3:16, that He gave. He's so generous to us. He's so gracious. He's so loving and kind to us that He would give His Son Jesus for us. Do you know Him? The everlasting Father. Do you know Him? The Prince of Peace. Do you know Him? I want you to search your heart. Do you know Him? Because, look, you can keep playing church. You can keep showing up day in and day out every Sunday and go, yes and amen. But Jesus is the one that looks at your heart. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. And so you can keep living the way you want to. Or today, you make that moment go, you know what, that's it. I'm ready. I'm making the U-turn. I'm going the other way, and I'm saying yes to Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give that person in the room that I've been talking to the opportunity to say yes to Jesus this morning. And the Bible says that if we confess our sin, right, we confess that we, we did wrong and that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he came, he lived, he died, and he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, that we, if we believe that gospel truth, that we will be saved. And so I want to lead you through a prayer. If that's you this morning and you say, you know what, hey, I I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I'm ready to surrender and say yes to him this morning. Then just pray this prayer with me. There's nothing special about it. God's seeing your heart at this very moment. So just pray this. Father, I pray now that you would save me. I confess that I have sinned, that I have done wrong that I've been going my own way, and I choose to turn to you this morning. I choose to surrender my life to you. Jesus, my life is yours. I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just just want to talk to to the rest of y'all who say, hey, you know, I know Jesus. But I want you to really search your heart and go, do I... Do I really believe the core depth of my heart, that we have a Savior, that we have a hope, that we have a purpose? And I want you to begin to just think about that and, and just and pray through. What does that look like for you in 2024? Because church, God's got cool things in store for us in 2024. There, there's some crazy things I've been talking to Craig about this, just the last couple of days about what God's been doing through the Big Give, which an update's coming next week. And, and just how some cool things with Clay and the network. I mean, God's just doing some crazy cool things, even in our people in our church. Why? Because we have a savior, we have a hope, and we have a purpose. That is what we do here, is we believe in Jesus, we have faith in Jesus, we believe strongly that he's going to do great things through each of us, and he's the core of of everything that we do. And so I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take a time to respond to the gospel message we've heard this morning. So Father, we pray this morning. God, that you would not allow this this gospel truth, this message, this hope that we have to to just fall flat on our hearts, but God, that it would rejuvenate, that it would begin to stir within us, God, a heart, God, that would cry out, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. We praise in Jesus' name. And everybody says,